our experience of it uh, tends to fit very much into uh, into the opening here that Matt gave of, of the of the Karen really uh, that are on the Thai Burma border now, and sometimes we kind of fit into that sort of stereotypical uh, view of the Karen, that one story of the Karen that was so prevalent over the last 20 years, and, and maybe this this opening image here uh, sums that up. Uh, I thought it would be rather interesting for you. Uh, this is Pat A. Hay, X-Force 136, still waiting for his pension. And in that photograph, what you have is all the elements, really, that we've been talking about. Resilience, aspirations, and politics. We have here uh, his, uh, uh, his certificate from uh, Force 136. Uh, the picture of Bao Ji in the background there. The aspirations for the future, the great aspirations for the future for, uh, for Karen uh, Federal State. And, uh, of course, his link with this gentleman here, uh, Hugh Seagram, um, uh, during the Second World War, who raised Karen levies. <coughs> so I thought I'd just start with that, because that's how we got involved with it in the first place. Um, the organization Mobile Education Partnerships uh, now works in uh, uh, Kachin State. We've just finished some work in Kachin State in the north. Uh, we work on the Thai border in the Karen refugee camps and in the migrant communities. And we've, we're just starting a, a monastic schools program in Mon State now. But this was a, I have to say, a very small organization. We built this organization ourselves over about 20 years. And it started off around about 1994, 95. Two key events there to kick off this diaspora. The creation of the DKBA. And in 1995, the fall of Manaplor. That, of course, created what we all know, this uh, terrible situation where you've got about 140,000 refugees on the Thai side of the border, and you've got uh, a significant displacement within inside Karen State itself. Uh, the first time I got involved was in 1996. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you uh, a sort of a researcher's view of this. All I can do, really, is to give you something from ground level, what it's like for us to have worked with the Karen over a number of years. And I can take up some of the themes, actually, that Pierre touched on uh, uh, earlier on. Um, but in 1996, when I first met the Karen, they, uh, just after the fall of Manaplor, they were uh, uh, intent, I think, then, on going home. That's what they felt at that time. And I remember the head of a Karen refugee school saying to me, we will sit here and wait patiently. We will sit here and wait patiently in Mekong Ka Kham. That same family on the right-hand side there now is sitting waiting patiently in Vancouver. So uh, patients ran out, I think, and they were part of the big uh, resettlement program. Uh, they asked me, uh, when I first went in there, uh, and I was doing a little bit of photojournalistic work in there in 1996, they asked me for two things. The first one was teachers for summer schools, right? Okay, education, the importance of education, even in what they thought was the short term there, was extremely important to them at that time. And the second thing they asked for, amazingly, was Agatha Christie novels. <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> I couldn't believe it either, but writing wrongs in the Cotswolds is not too far from writing wrongs in the Dornar range, is it really, you know? It does give you a sense of hope. So I managed to get the Agatha Christie novels, and um, I also noticed with the Karen that they, they, you know, resilience, a big word for today, requires pride in identity, doesn't it? You've got to know who you are. 
solidarity and adversity. And it actually reminded me, surprisingly, of the villages of the Durham Coldfield, right over back in the 1950s, where you had chapel and school and community and shared values. These were conservative communities, but coherent communities. And from 2000 to 2008, for eight years, it's amazing, it's remarkable what people will do. We, we have volunteers from all over the northeast of England, and even one from San Francisco, as it says there, I think, yes, just one. So it was sort of Newcastle, Sunderland, and San Francisco, but mainly Newcastle and Sunderland, as they, as they say. And we delivered summer schools in teaching techniques in English language. That's what they wanted. And we know this, as Pierre pointed out, that the Karen were actually coming across the border from inside Burma. And we thought, what on earth is this? This is a refugee camp. Why on earth are you coming all of this way to uh, a refugee camp? Then we walked for three days for these courses. I couldn't believe it. So anyway, where are we? Oh, yes. And we got ourselves into all sorts of scrapes. We were completely under the radar. One year, we actually bribed our way in. And I don't know whether any authorities here, but don't mention this. We got in through uh, bribing the ties with a bucket of wild honey. So it wasn't particularly costly, but anyway. So what did we notice? Again, to support what Piers just said, there were a few trained teachers. Most teachers just used one method of teaching, which was rote learning and recall. Exams were tests of memory, and there was uh, critical thinking was not really part of the, the, uh, the education uh, landscape at that time. So what did we do? Well, on NGO support also, it was rather limited. Large training sessions for teachers, and then just followed up by occasional visits just to check out the teachers were getting on with what they were supposed to be doing. So uh, around about 2007, we started to get uh, some funding. And we had to find a model that would work in situations like this. Um, little quotation from C.P. Snow here. I think we would. Uh, I find it rather inspirational, whether we stick to it or not, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, um, an NGO, small NGO like this, <coughs> they wanted people who will get on with the job, pass on what they know, help in a technical way, and then get out. We weren't in there for the long term. But that was 10 years ago. And we still kept on with this program because we got lots of requests. And the model that we put together was fairly straightforward. And I mean, I could, I could put this challenge out to you this morning. What would you do in a situation where you have badly resourced schools, few trained teachers, poor insecure <coughs> communities, uh, schools which are small and scattered? How on earth would you do teacher training in a, in a situation like that? Well, the answer is, get somebody who knows what they're doing, put them on a bike, and form a mobile unit. <laughs> a mobile unit of teacher trainers. So it's fairly basic stuff, isn't it? So that's the idea that we came up with. And we also decided, uh, again, which chimes with what is, was said in the, in the first presentation there, we, we tried to blend the two things, east and west. We didn't come, we were all teachers, so we knew that, you know, things go round and round in education. Pupil centre, teacher centre, pupil centre, teacher centre. There are lots and lots of ways to teach. What a, what does a teacher need? Well, they need a, a range of skills that they can apply to audience and purpose. That's the key to it. So don't come from any particular pedagogical perspective. Just do what is practical. That's all. So teacher-centered explanation, critical thinking, following instructions, active learning, memorizing, group discussion, making individual conclusions, whatever works, use it. But the temptation is, 
in a situation like that is to adopt new methods and consider these to be, well, this is an aspiration to adopt new Western methods. Very dangerous. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I've been trying to find a Burmese or Karen equivalent of that for ages, and nobody's ever been able to help me with that. Stick with what you know. Right? If it works, use it. If it doesn't, then leave it out. And we got a request from the Karen Refugee Committee Education Entity. I always thought that, that was a quite a, quite a slick acronym, KRCEE, to develop an English language course. Uh, because English language is important for, well, at that time, people were, were moving, moving into the third countries, so that was important. But also, a lot of the work uh, in the Karen schools was done in education. I think from about grades, grade nine onwards in the Karen schools, English was used as a medium of instruction. So uh, we went into Melak camp, and we put together a, a mobile teacher program, very, very simple program, uh, <coughs> one trainer, developing English language materials, uh, starting off on a Friday afternoon, two-hour training session with a group of teachers working with them on grade one, unit one, lesson one, okay? And then the following week, out around the schools in Melak camp, uh, checking what the teachers could do, if it was actually working, working with them, te teaching, demoing, uh, demoing techniques and so on. And then Back to, back to square one again, and building these materials slowly. It was no good. The worst thing to do was to go in there and just dump some materials on the Karen and say, right, these are some great textbooks here, you know? Go ahead. It's impossible. You can't work like that. You've got to work slowly uh, with, uh, uh, with new teachers especially. So we built this up grade by grade over about five or six years. And that was a great privilege to be able to do that, to have that time to do it. And we developed uh, English language textbooks, trained current teachers, um, trained current training teams. And of course, this was an ongoing thing because at that time, a lot of the current were being resettled. A lot of the current were resettled, were the educated current. Not entirely, but a lot were. And then 2015, the current began to think about going home, if you think that Burma is, that's where they want to be. And a program was introduced called the Basic Education Support Towards Transition. Another slick acronym, BEST, okay? And um, BEST, BEST projects uh, concentrated on <coughs> uh, helping current youngsters to go back inside Burma. Pre-service training for teachers, literacy boost program, a numeracy boost program, uh, numeracy training, and, and Importantly and significantly, the use of Burmese as a second language uh, in Karen schools. Teaching of Burmese as a second language, and there was a great emphasis on that from about, I think, probably about 2015 onwards. Okay, and as you know, language is a politic uh, is politically contentious mm -hmm. in these situations, isn't it? And there was a time when. There was a difficult period with the Karen uh, when it was around about 2003, 2004, something like that. Uh, it was decided that the main language of instruction uh, would be Karen itself rather than Burmese or English. And there was some tension over that. Some 
authorities, um, educational thinkers in Burma actually put forward that the main language of instruction should be English at that time. Difficult one, isn't it? Something to kick around that. Okay, sorry. And move on. Yeah. And the other thing that they were interested in was uh, building for the future. This was a very, very important thing here. Establishing colleges. Colleges were established. Five minutes left. Right. Smash it. Uh, perfect. Uh, the Karen built for the future. Establishing colleges, looking for international qualifications. This was a thing that was mentioned earlier on as well. And um, we were requested to go in and do Cambridge work. My goodness, yeah. Cambridge English Language Certificates, KET and PET certificates. Right, okay then. And we went to work in this place here, Puto Memorial Junior College. Great effort here to train up those leaders that were going to be so important for the future of Karen society. And um, the problem with Puto, it was, a, it was an English language immersion college in Melar Camp, but there was no accepted final certificate. So getting a certificate from Cambridge University for English was of enormous importance for these youngsters. So qualifications and the acceptance of qualifications is another key issue here, isn't it? So uh, of course there were difficulties with delivering Cambridge exams because they tended to be Euro-centered. And you would get questions, you know, the examiners would ask questions like, well, what did you do for your holidays? <laughs> so we had to sort of school the examiners a little bit on this one. We got huge support, actually, amazing support from Harrow International School, Bangkok, who paid for these candidates to do this exam and sent up their examiners to, to deliver the exams for free. Amazing contribution. Uh, and this is Coupon, uh, here, the head of PTMJC. I've only got a couple of minutes, so Coupon. Um, I was going to give you a little bit of Coupon this morning, but I've got some quotes from her. She's the principal of PTMJC, and she, um, she, uh, I wrote to her, I've uh, been writing to her over the last couple of weeks, asking a number of questions about the future of Karen education. And this is what I've got, they're quite interesting actually, quite illuminating these. Uh, she, How have you seen Karen education change in recent years? By, I know that's a bit of a complicated slide, that. To cut it down, she just said, look, over the last two years, because there's been a lack of NGO support, the NGOs have been pulling out, not much has happened over the last couple of years. But importantly, Burmese is taking a, a higher profile within the curriculum now. <coughs> and he said, has Burma's transition to democracy had any impact on current education systems? <sighs> Answer is, yeah. Everybody's going over the border now into Burma. That's what's happening. So the money's moving away. So democracy is a two-edged sword, I think, isn't it? Right, okay. How is education different in Karen communities? That's already been covered. They felt that the Karen education in the refugee camps was actually better than it was in Karen State in many cases. Um, and this is an interesting one here. What are your feelings about the future of Karen education with the possibility of camps closing? You think, well, we'll go back home, rebuild. Many of the post-10 students and me feel so sad on the possibility of the camps closing because if the camps are closed, students will not know how to continue their study. Interesting. Um, I'm moving through that one. And what are the priorities for current education in the future? Well, here they are. Will the Burmese government 
accept current education, new teaching styles, instead of teacher-centered methods, student-centered methods. Uh, I copied this verbatim, so I think this was not land certification, but a, a typo, and it should be and certification, okay? And certification. Will you accept the certificates that are given for uh, the Canadian schools uh, inside the Canadian state? Okay, and that's it. We learned as much from the Karen as I'm certain they learned, ever learned from us, and we learned all of those human things, really, that we had forgotten. Um, uh, resilience, generosity, the humanity, remarkable good humor and sense of community. And if I can finish possibly where I started here with a very, very short anecdote uh, uh, concerning the British link here. Um, uh, I was very, very ill in one of the Karen camps uh, about 20 years ago, and uh, I, I had a blood clot, and I was felled with this, this blood clot, uh, and uh, I was thrown on the floor in a Karen house, and uh, a medic came along, and I was sort of coming in and out of consciousness, and as I was coming in and out of consciousness, I could feel somebody rubbing my arm, gently rubbing my arm. If you ever want to be ill, make sure you've got a Karen vest. They'll really look after you. And just rubbing my arm and whispering something in my ear. I was coming in and out of consciousness. And the arm rubbing went on and the whispering went on in my ear. And I thought this was some sort of Karen words to make me feel better, recover. And then gradually, I began to understand what was being whispered in my ear. And many was whispering. Manchester United. <laughs> 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 so I'm here to make a little bit of 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 a little